Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. We are the podcast for people who care about coffee. This is episode 57, and I am your host, Brian Biking, and joining me, as always, is my good buddy, the man who is blistering in the heat right now, Brian Sheely. Can you hear that? I can. You know, you know what that is? Is that an egg out on the sidewalk? Uh, oh man, it should be. Actually, you know, it was raining today, so uh, not not as bad. Not the weather wasn't crazy hot, but no. Is that a dog? Oh, it sounds kind of like a dog. Yeah, my uh, my my dog Penny. No, and I'm not brushing my teeth. I'm shaking. Yeah, are you? You're shaking coffee. I'm shaking coffee. Yeah. Well, that could be because we have the fines folks behind <laughs> Prove here today. We have Carol Krupa and Adam Krupa. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Glad to be here. <laughs> the Krupa brothers. That, so you are you are not the only Krupa brothers, or are you? Are there more of you? There are three of us. So myself, Carol, uh, my brother, older brother Adam, and my younger brother Merrick. So that makes. Uh, the three out of the five uh, that make up the team crew, and the other two are actually brothers as well, Mike and Mark Vecarelli. Nice. That's cool. I, I bet that, uh, is there like a lot of sibling rivalry slash battles that go on in the office, or is you guys keep it pretty... I'm an only child, so I don't know how siblings interrelate with each other. You know what? If this was about 15 years ago... We'd be on the floor fighting and wrestling all the time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, since we're all married with kids, uh, we're pretty civil. That's good. Yeah, that, that helps. Anyway, thanks for being on the show, guys. This is, uh, I know we've been talking for quite a while about getting together and, and uh, talking through some of the stuff that you guys have been up to. So very cool to finally get a chance to sit down and, uh, and hear all about the crew, hear all, all about how you guys got started and everything. So... And I'm kind of excited that we that we it took as long as it did because we've got some newer things that we get to talk about as well because of that. So, we but certainly do. Uh, yeah, let's let's pull it on back here. So, um, so for anyone who doesn't know about this product, let's kind of get them up to speed. Let's talk about what brought the team together, what brought you guys together in this idea, and what Crove is, and let's just let's just pick it up from there. Sure. So um, our side, the Krupa side, um, we have a product development company and we've actually been working with the Vecarellis uh, for a number of projects. Uh, they do mostly our, our marketing uh, and some of our sales. And so, you know, our cooperation with them has been going really well throughout the years. And we've decided that, hey, why don't we try doing one project uh, together? And uh, so... You know, we came to the table uh, a number of nights over some beers and threw out uh, a ton of ideas and uh, it landed on a coffee product. Uh, you know, they're into coffee, we're all into coffee. And from a business standpoint of view, um, we looked at it that it, it can definitely work. It's there's. With this idea, with this product, there's something that was lacking in in the in the market, and um, you know Adam will get into those details uh, uh, in a bit how the crew came to be. Yeah, so uh, I can maybe expand on that. Um, 
originally we started with um, kind of trying third wave coffee, tasting some delicious brews, and, and trying to um, make it at home, and basically failing miserably time and time again, and, and kind of trying to figure out what we're doing wrong. And kind of uh, uh, my background in engineering makes me kind of dissect things and figure out what uh, all the parts mean and, and how we can put this together. And one of the things that we noticed was that when you have a coffee recipe, you have very precise brew ratios. You can brew it for a specific length of time at a specific temperature. But when we talk about grind size, we say, well, it's like sea salt size or uh, fine salt or something like that which was hardly precise in my book. So uh, we kind of looked at that aspect of how does that play uh, an effect in the way that the coffee brews and, and, and tastes um, gets extracted. And, and that's kind of where we stumbled upon this um, sifting and started off with just using kitchen sieves to take out some of the particles that are too big, some of them that are too small, and trying a more consistent grind trying to brew that and it developed into buying laboratory sieves and, and one of the things that struck us in the kind of uh, sitting late nights uh, over beers and sometimes coffees was like how much of a difference there was between the same coffee that was brewed consistently uh, or extracted over a consistent grind versus one that was not and, and that's kind of how the idea started yeah that's that always seems to be a problem, especially when it seems like even same grinders can be slightly different from one another. So there's nothing I've found more complicated than when I was first getting into it and asking somebody for advice on a grind size. And they would tell me what their grinders grind setting and try to try to transfer it back to what that would mean on my grinder and then vice versa. Now, when people ask me things and I'm trying to to give them that description, you know, back on and what that is, and then you end up having to, you're trying to equate time to, to amount to, to particles, and it's, it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean the 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 device itself is obviously, um, super easy to use, and the idea behind it, I mean just just conceptually looking at it and holding it and, and using it for any length of time, it makes a lot of sense. I mean you've got three chambers essentially, right? You've got a top top chamber where eventually all of your your coarse particles are going to land and you have a middle chamber where usually that's that seems to be the the recommended area to brew with so the majority of your coffee will end up in that middle chamber and then the finest particles all sink down to the very very bottom chamber um, and basically all of that separates out with a minute or so of shaking uh, so yeah, I mean, clearly it's it's a, a lot. It makes a lot more sense than having like laboratory grade sieves in your house. Um, is that uh, is that something? So that's something you guys messed around with though a lot, like those those giant lab sieves. Yeah, we did, and and um, so just uh, what you mentioned before about the grinders. It, it's true that even the same grinder will produce a different grind size, and and the, the, so kind of the the idea or the problem started with identifying that but then when we came up with the uh our, our proposal to like the solution it was like you mentioned a three-tiered system allowing you to uh using a variety of interchangeable sieves 
uh, of different sizes to measure your grind size and then to control it. So uh, isolate anything that is bigger than a certain amount or that is smaller than a certain amount. And then you can play around with this to uh, identify or to brew with whatever grind size uh, you desire for whatever brew method or whatever coffee and, and, and so on and so forth. Aside from the fact that it's uh, so the product we're talking about now, it, it fits in your hand. It's small now. I so I worked in um, in civil engineering and I, I worked in the lab. So prior to when I was first getting into coffee, that's what I had access to about a hundred of these lab grade sieves. And so I would I would play with them around a little bit. And it was interesting when you all had, had first reached out. It was before you all went on with Kickstarter. Uh, and it was a it was a conversation that Alex had had about the product, and at that time Brian and I just didn't necessarily know what what we wanted to to do with that, like with Kickstarter product projects and stuff. While we were still figuring out the show, we didn't know what to do. But it was it was a concept that I loved the idea of because one those lab sieves are enormous, and so it takes a long time to sieve out the particle size you need when you're dealing with a, a coffee dose that's usually so small. And then two, in order to buy them on your own, they are really expensive for for an individual sieve. Yeah, you're right, Brian. It's it's those, like I said, we've purchased a few of them um, online, got them delivered. They're about the size of a, a large plate. So, you know, putting the grind inside and then just shaking it back and forth, it was very difficult. And, you know, they cost anywhere between 80 to 100 bucks each. So, you know, for our most popular uh, Sifter 12, uh, 12 of those sifts, you're looking at upwards of $1,000, which is, you know, uh, that's quite a lot for the average uh, home enthusiast. Right. Well, and the, and the added benefit, though, of, of the cruise, obviously, you get multiples of these sieves, or you you can get all the way up to the max number that that you guys have, or you could get a, a smaller number. But sometimes it's hard to know which ones to use, or or which which ones are going to work best for your grinder or for your brew method. And so having access to a larger number of them is is really handy. Whereas like you you probably wouldn't have that kind of flexibility in using these giant saves if you were to if you were to go out and purchase one i i actually bought one a long time ago um the first person i ever saw uh sifting their coffee was uh david salinas from department of Brewology a mm -hmm. bunch of years ago he he started posting a bunch of stuff about sifting on his ek at home and i was like yeah i'm gonna grab one of those just to see what this is all about <laughs> and uh that was what that was well before the kickstarter came around and uh it, it's it's been a fun fun thing to play with and and i i find that really interesting that that's the uh the hole in the market that you guys tackled right off the bat and uh it seems seems to have scratched a lot of itches i i know a lot of a lot of folks have been have been using them um especially in competitions and other things that we'll talk about in a little bit but uh, so one of the greatest compliments that we got it was uh, actually machine uh, said I'm not sure who wrote this but uh, they said this is like a new grind a uh, new language for for grind size because um, you can now uh, empirically measure what it is that you're brewing with um, and something that you could do with uh, laboratories to use although they were never really designed for coffee so one of the things we found when uh, we were experimenting with is that the mesh that they use is not really great for coffee. Coffee has oil party, oily particles and they get 
clogged inside the, the mesh. So that's why we, we adapted our technology. We, we used a, it's a chemical etching process that creates a very smooth finish that's mm -hmm. uh, easy to clean. And the other thing is that we are getting a, a square hole. I mean, sorry, uh, we're getting a round hole versus a square hole, uh, which means it's more uniform. Like if there's a square hole, uh, the diagonal is quite a bit larger than the the sides. Right. Yeah, that was one of the things that really excited me when I saw that because I've I've seen that a lot with with other right with non coffee particles, um, and so that's brilliant. I like that a lot. And using our, our chemical etching technology, uh, we're able to be very consistent every time. Uh, our tolerance is plus or minus about uh, ten microns. Uh, so just to give you an idea, uh, the average human hair is about 100 microns. So we're like almost spot on. Well, let's back up a little bit. Let's you know, we just mentioned a little bit about it coming out of the Kickstarter or whatever. Let's let's back up a little bit. And let's just talk about the experience um, with the product on Kickstarter and some of some of what you started seeing when that came out. And then as you started coming out of Kickstarter and people were starting to get excited about the product and the timeline of everything that happened with that. Well, yeah. So, so when, when you guys launched your Kickstarter, I mean, you had plenty of content up there and some videos and mock-ups and things and prototypes. I mean, it looked like you guys were pretty far down the pipeline by the time you came out on Kickstarter. Is that probably accurate? Yeah, I think, uh, it was over a year of development and testing before we did that. We went, we launched on, we launched on Kickstarter. Um, so th by that time, we had several prototypes, uh, tested different uh, manufacturing methods, and, and um, um, our background, or at least some of our backgrounds, is in manufacturing. So we were able to kind of figure out what was the best method to make this. Although we <laughs> kind of elected to use something that's um, little bit more design oriented over um, making easier for production uh, just to give you an example like most things that you buy like pots or pans they're round because it's so much easier to manufacture um, actually so uh, the design originated from Mike who's an industrial designer and uh, he created a something of a <laughs> pain to manufacture but something that's very functional and uh, aesthetically um, we think really nice yeah, I mean, you're talking about the the sort of wedge shape of of it, as opposed to it being circular. Exactly. Yeah. So most uh, sieves are are circular because it's just easier to make. So um, we wanted to do something that was um, that looked nice, but functionally, uh, the the wedge web shape serves a purpose when you're actually pouring the coffee grounds out of the uh, sifter. It's easier because it goes to the point. So. Obviously, there was a big shakeup, um, and we don't have to talk about it in a whole lot of detail, but we're going to have a link in the show notes to the original Kickstarter, and you'll see a different name plastered all over the, uh, all over the page. Uh, so you guys originally started out as the Rafino, and then wound up becoming Kruve? Yeah, exactly. So uh, we came up with what we thought is a very clever name, Rafino, uh, for the Italian word, um, I'm probably going to butcher, but refinari, which is basically refinement. And um, so we launched with that. It was very well accepted. But towards uh, the end of our campaign, 
we were contacted by uh, a company saying that they're in the coffee industry and they've already have something um, with this name and it's going to infringe them and basically you know they wanted to start some kind of legal talk and from our experience a few years ago we know legal talk just means too much money down the drain uh, so luckily we were early enough that we didn't have molds manufactured and you know products on the shelves so that we can recall so we decided the easiest and quickest solution would be to totally rebrand yeah and just for the record it wasn't the same name it was a different name but <laughs> they felt it, it it was close enough to to make a, a fuss over so so they nothing was actually officially filed or i mean it was just sort of like a trying to he head it off at the pass before it really really got serious yeah, they didn't like it, so uh, in our talks, we just figured that it was just better just to avoid any further conflicts and, and sure. um, change the name. Yeah. So when you when you go and you look at some of the prototypes and you look at some of the uh, the videos that you all had posted, um, you'll notice at least one of the things that I notice that's the biggest difference to me um, is the way that the that the sieves actually attach. Uh, to each tray um, when they finally launch when you guys finally launch now you have this like really uh, sort of functional rubber gasket system it, it I don't remember seeing that in the actual videos uh, when it first came out on Kickstarter is that something that kind of changed iterated through like as as the project went along yeah definitely that um, was I don't know, version 10 or something, um, our original idea was for the sieves to be stamped out uh, with the edges to have uh, a negative angle. So then you can just snap it into the container. Um, you know, a few discussions with our manufacturer found out that it, that would have been uh, pretty uh, difficult and inconsistent. The tolerances would be all over the place. Uh, so our, our next step was uh, to introduce magnets because everybody loves magnets. And I so love we were, magnets. We were gun-ho. We're like, yeah, this is going <laughs> to magnet this, magnet that. But then again, production, uh, that would have had a lot of issues because our containers are aluminum. So we would have to change uh, a different metal, a different material. Then do we glue it on? Do we weld it on? Is there going to be corrosion? And all of our research came back uh, negative. Well, one of the biggest things, we're using a high-quality stainless steel, which is non-magnetic. So that would mean that we had to do a lesser-quality steel for it to be magnetized. And, uh, yeah, we didn't we felt that wasn't the right way. So uh, we ended up with a, a, it's a thermoplastic elastomer that's used in other uh, kitchen products. So it's, it's very safe, very durable. Um, and it seals well against the container, so there's no chance of any grinds falling through or, or mixing in. Yeah, and, and we want this product to last or, or to sift to last because we know people are going to be uh, swapping them. I mean, uh, the product, you're not going to be swapping uh, 10, 20 sieves a day, right? Like you have your, uh, your morning, uh, let's say your drip, and then in the afternoon you have an espresso. So you will swap all your sieves there. But uh, still, we made sure that it seals really well and um, you can swap it in and out without any kind of uh, issues down the road. 
magnets would have been cool i i do like that idea <laughs> we still ha- we still get emails they're like you know be good if you guys put magnets magnets <laughs> everywhere and we're like ah oh. <laughs> should have done the magnets <laughs> so let's talk about what kind of support you got what what kind of things did you guys uh hear after after the kickstarter Where, did you get a, did you get a lot of people uh talking about i mean i'm sure it was mixed of people saying what's the point of this as much as there were people who were just real excited about getting something um a product like this that's accessible what kind of what kind of support came from this i would say in general um it was overwhelming positive everybody uh, not only emailed but when they backed us they commented they're like oh this is such a great idea or or why didn't i think of that or hey i think i saw you know a barista champion using sis before uh, so it was definitely um positive and we had like a google uh, keyword alert set up so every day it would pop up and we were in a different form across the world so then you take it and you will google translate from turkish to english and then you get like a funny English, so I'm not sure if they're positive or if they want to eat the product or something. I don't know, but uh, no, it, it was it was definitely fun, and I mean, uh, the emails uh, they still keep coming. People have more ideas. They're like, you should make an electric version, or here's a picture of me uh, taking a camping. You know, there's uh, it's 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 a lot of positive, which is uh, something we found in the in general in the coffee community. Is, is very uh, accepting. I'm always a little skeptical about Kickstarter. I, if, if, if you're a listener of the show, anybody, you should probably know that I'm generally not super accepting of, of every coffee Kickstarter that comes out there. But um, the idea for this was so solid that it, it just seemed like it had to work. So I think uh, we were uh, mixed on the uh, on the issue as well. Like um, my brother uh, Merrick, he backs a ton of Kickstarter projects, and I, I kind of wait until they're actually manufactured. So uh, in, in my point of view, it was very um, really amazing how um, people responded to this and and commented and and gave their feedback. And that was actually uh, it was our first first Kickstarter, so we really didn't know what to expect. But uh, that community feedback was was really great and it was something that you don't get in, in developing other products because you actually launch and you just hope and pray that it goes well and this is sort of like that too but you have a f- chance to, to refine it as, as you go along which was really really great so yeah. I'll, I'll say this and my reason for even bringing it up is i i did also back a certain grinder on kickstarter which will remain nameless um, but actually it's sort of funny because I, I am so dis, I was so disappointed with that grinder, but when the crew came along, I was at least able to brew a moderately decent cup with it. Right. <laughs> so two Kickstarter projects sort of offset each other. One it's in its awesomeness and one in its lacklusterness, <laughs> uh, coming together to, uh, to brew a decent cup of coffee. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I, and I think that's where uh, we've had, um, you know, we exceeded our goal well over four times. Is we had a lot of lot of technical questions being posted on the comments and messaged directly. I guess uh, you know, out from the weeds came uh, the super coffee geeks testing us, making sure that it's actually gonna work and we're gonna be produced properly and. Because, like Adam mentioned, we have 15 years' experience uh, producing uh, different products. Uh, we had 
everything lined up. You know, I, I remember uh, sending them even uh, certificates of of steel to uh, a gentleman, or even just like a CAD drawing uh, splice throughs showing that listen, this is how it's going to attach. This is how it's going to work. We know what we're doing. Like just you know, please believe in us. Let us reach our goal, and we're going to deliver a quality product. I've experienced, obviously, I think every anyone who's in coffee has experienced the gamut of people, you know, from, you know, little old home brewer who really just has like one tried and true brew method to the uber nerd who just wants to know every single detail and go into great, you know, gory descriptions about every single thing. So I, I can only imagine what you know, what a project like yours on Kickstarter starting out that way. I mean, sort of the questions that you'd have to, have to field. Um, but along those lines, actually, um, it kind of goes to to the point of this episode is really, what is the target demographic for the crew? Like, who did you, who did you guys decide this product is for... So I think the product is for anybody that uh, brews their own coffee that uh, is focused on getting the best cup that they can possibly brew, that um, grinds their own beans, obviously, uh, gets the single origin roast. It's it's probably not for somebody that goes to uh, or like a pod machine, although we had it actually interesting. Uh, um, couple emails from people that are using this for a pod machine where they're using a re- reusable bo- pod and sifting uh, their grind so that they get the consistency putting into a pod and brewing with that um huh. that's but, cool <laughs> yeah yeah uh but for the most part it, it's it's people that so i like to use this um uh, analogy with food in that let's say you're, you're cooking like stir fry and you want to um, make the perfect meat. So you're going to make sure that the size of the meat is uh, precisely the same or as close as you, you can. Because if you have small pieces and large pieces, the w- smaller pieces will be burnt a lot um, quicker than the larger pieces. And, and coffee is actually very similar. So you want to have some kind of consistency with your grind. And it, I'll give you like three examples of how you can use it in, in, in different settings. So let's say you're a, a home user, you have your grinder, and you get a, a really nice uh, roasted bean, and you want to not screw it up, but make use of it, and, and sometimes you get a, a recipe with it. So our hope is that in that recipe, there's a grind size included with it, so that no matter what grinder you have, um, you can always replicate that. So you can objectively measure the grind size or set your grinder to that specific grind size. So for that uh, roasted, for that roast, you, you have, uh, there's no guesswork and you have delici- delicious coffee. Um, another method or another use case is, uh, let's say you own a cafe. So you want to have a repeatable coffee that you serve to your customers. Uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. Like you, you go to a cafe and then you have a, a great coffee. The next day, it's it's not so great. So there's a lot of variables that come into that um, when you're brewing the coffee. But we're trying to minimize that. So obviously, you're going to use a, a thermometer to measure the temperature of the water. You're going to brew for a specific amount of time. You're going to be um, brewing with the appropriate ratio. 
But here you can, in the morning, set up your grinder to make sure that it is consistent from day to day as the uh, grind, I mean, sorry, as the beans age or as the uh, burrs wear on the grinder, you, you have this consistency. I think one of the most interesting things about just kind of to interject here before we keep talking about stuff with with sifting in general is as I was getting into it um, and maybe this is just based on what I experienced with a lot of hand grinders and with a lot of low end grinders a lot of them produce a lot of fines and so I had this kind of misconception that what I needed a sieve mostly for was to remove fines and that's it and that that would make my cup better. And I'm not saying that that doesn't aid, but I, I'd like to get your all's opinion, but I think Brian would also agree with me that we found, one of the things that we found the most important was actually getting rid of some of the larger particles, which seemed to be the most inconsistent of the entire lot of coffee that you're brewing. Yeah, absolutely. So anytime you can make the grind more consistent, again, that... Uh, Food example, or if you're, let's say, um, you're cooking a steak, same thing. Uh, now, it's important to kind of realize because coffee is so small, you grind it, you don't really realize how inconsistent it is. But if you're putting it under a microscope, you realize that there's a distribution from, let's say, uh, 100 micron particle to 1,000 micron particle. So that's a 100%, uh, sorry, 10%, 10-fold increase. So that would be an equivalent of, let's say, an one inch steak versus a 10 inch steak so try cooking that at the same time and it's just it's not going to work one of them is not going to be uh good uh so coffee is very actually similar to that you are over extracting the smaller particles which contribute more uh of the bitterness and normally that's something that you you want in a cup so that's why we're, we're not saying that fines are necessarily bad neither are, are larger particles and um Larger particles don't really extract properly. So that's why if you uh, take those out, you're now, your now your grind mean is a lot closer to your whatever your desired brew time or brew extraction ratio is. Yeah, and so we talk, talk about f- removing the fines and removing some of the, the boulders or the coarser particles. Um, how how does that impact the cup? I mean, so what's the side by side brewing just straight out of the grinder versus brewing with the crew, you know, with a, a variety of different sieve configurations? Like what what's the biggest taste difference usually? So we've done a number of like side by side tests where we've taken the same um, coffee and we've ground it. Out of straight out of grinder, calibrated as best we could to the kind of desired mean for whatever brewing method we're doing, and then we've done one that's uh, taking out some of the smaller and larger particles, and did a side by side comparison on like complete strangers, and and I think everybody was able to tell a difference, and everybody was able to w- actually prefer the like this was like a blind taste test, but everybody was able to pr- uh, was sorry. <laughs> Everybody preferred the sifted grind, and I think the biggest taste difference is in that you can. There's a lot more clarity in the cup. Yeah, it's not an overwhelming flavor of uh, bitter bitterness, uh, which you sometimes get if you over extract. 
uh, you are able to get a fuller flavor profile. Uh, you can taste the acidity. You can taste the different fruity notes. And I think those are the biggest differences. Yeah, and to add to that, we've actually had uh, you know a, a few you know get-togethers at our house, or even when our parents were hosting parties, we'd set up in the corner and like, "Hey, try this coffee." And we've asked uh, two separate questions with the same coffee. It's like, "Oh, one is expensive, one is not. Can you taste the difference?" And they've always thought the sifted coffee was more expensive because it tasted cleaner, uh, mm -hmm. less bittery, etc. And then another interesting one is say we asked them, well, can you tell that what is the difference? And a lot of people uh, mentioned that the sifted coffee is, is sweeter. They're like, oh, this is easy. You added sugar to this one. And we're like, in fact, no, it's, it's the exact same thing. Just, you know, this one, uh, because of the fines in it and the boulders, you have the bitter flavors and the sour flavors, which typically you mask with uh, sugar and cream. You know, here you have the same thing, but uh, it's it's consistent and pure. Yeah, and we encourage everybody to try this. I think this is like one of the first thing that you should be doing if you if you get this is is do a taste test. Brew the same type of coffee, um, and and there's there will be some experimentation that's required because when you're brewing with something that's uh, let's say a, a, a thousand microns from like a hundred to thousand microns uh, in size, uh, you're actually brewing. Uh, longer, you're you're do, doing different methods. So uh, with a a smaller uh, grind size deviation, you're gonna have to adjust certain things. But all things being equal, that's the first things that we encourage everybody to try, just to see what the the differences are. So with the ability, obviously, to to separate out the coarse particles or the medium sized particles, and then all of your fine particles. Um, I, I, I hear a lot of people, and maybe I, I think your recommendation has been typically is to use that middle, uh, to use the middle tray. So basically pulling out as many fines as possible, pulling out as, as many coarse particles as you need to, um, and use the middle tray. Is that, is that kind of usually the, the direction you give people starting out? Yes. So okay. we want to start with... Uh, we're trying to get a more consistent grind. So right. that means taking out anything that's smaller than and, and larger than the desired uh, uh, size. Now, right. how big that spread is, that's kind of up to you. And um, we've had people experiment. We've done this as ourselves where at, uh, because it, it's still coffee. So uh, whether it's a, it's, it's a small particle, a large particle, it'll still extract, but it's just at a different rate. So during your process, so you start with the middle tray or even the, 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 the top tray, uh, you start your extraction, then let's say 20 seconds in, you add the middle tray, and then a minute or a minute and a half after that, you, you uh, dump the, the bottom tray. So you're extracting from all the particles, but they're extracted at a different rate. So this would be applicable in, in a pour over or maybe a, an, um, like an AeroPress or something like that. That is an interesting idea i've not even thought about doing that i was actually just going to say i'm like uh, the ability to separate out each each of these particle sizes it just seems like it, even if the recommendation isn't always 100 percent like use that middle tray um you could do all kinds of things with this i mean just being able to being able to to separate them out yeah you 
And, and what I typically like to do is um, remove sort of the finest, finest particles using one of the finest uh, sieves for the bottom tray. And then I'll add, oftentimes add a percentage of those fines back in um, if I find that, that the coffee is less complex or has you know less of those sort of interesting fruity or floral notes you know that 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 I'd find without the the fines altogether it just it just opens it up to a lot of possibilities which I find uh, tinkerers and obviously coffee hobbyists are super uh, into so it's not pigeonholed into like you can only do one thing with it I mean the the possibilities really are are endless in terms of what what you want to do and experiment with precisely and this uh you know, adding a, a new language, a recipe that you can share, uh, we're finding that on coffee forms, you know, it's going to like 40 pages, 50 pages of people going back and forth like, hey, I did 10% of between uh, 400 to 600 and then 30% of this, 30% of that. And, you know, they're making a whole recipe. They're, they're creating their own flavor profile uh, of this coffee which is something that uh, you couldn't before, you couldn't even share because you had arbitrary uh, sayings like, oh, you know, just make sure that it's a sea salt size or, or, you know, but every country has different sea salt or every manufacturer <laughs> has different sizes. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really make sense. sea salt. Exactly, which is, <laughs> it's like, but which brand? Oh, but, <laughs> you know, I got a batch of last month and now all of a sudden it's too small or too big. So it's... It, it doesn't really make sense. It's very difficult to uh, to follow. But being able to repeat everything precisely, it, it, that is why we've actually been adapted quite a bit uh, by baristas uh, competing. Because one thing you, what you want to do is when you're training and you're developing your cups that you're going to present to your judges, you want to make sure that when you're doing it at home, it's going to taste exactly that when you're doing it on stage. So being able to... Uh, hit those the flavor profiles by getting that consistent grind is you know it's key to them and we're fortunate to have uh, a number of uh, podium finishes uh, all around the world uh, people using the crew sifter so it's it just it just feels awesome seeing and being tagged on instagram or on facebook you know a person holding a, a trophy and then the sifter in the other hand yeah, I got to use it for for Brewers competition, and I know Brian came back and he snagged a shot of me using it in Knoxville. But to be honest, that was that w- I got it. Brian brought it, so that was the first day I had played with it, and I used it to not much success in my favor for my brews that I used. Um, only just time mismanagement, but for nationals, I used it, and I was a lot more comfortable with it, and a lot more excited with. Uh, the, the results I had because um, for the compulsory round, you have a provided grinder that you have to use. And so you're not as familiar with it. So having the ability to pull out um, some of the coarse particles or some of the fine fi- particles was, I thought was helpful, especially with the coffee being generally a little bit more developed than I would like. And so it, it really helped me kind of tame the profile of the coffee. But one thing I, I want to get into also and and we don't we don't really have to if we don't if we don't want to talk about it. But but one thing that I, I find I see people have conversations about this and I'm not sure if they exactly understand it. And I don't think you need a refractometer to be able to understand it. But if somebody does a side by side brew, let's just say they use the same 
dose of coffee, like maybe 20 grams. And one of them is sifted, one of them's not. And let's just say they're removing the fines. Um, a lot of times I, I, I hear people make comments um, without having a lot of um, practice under their belt of maybe doing this about noticing clarity in the cup. And this isn't this isn't directly directed specifically to the crew. This is in various elements of brewing. They might do something as a, as a test and they compare one to the other and they notice that one's got a lot more clarity than the other or something. But in this case, they've sifted fines. They notice there's more clarity in the cup and they may or may not like that. But um, there's also a little bit of importance that they'll start to learn as they play that they'll have to adjust some settings perhaps a little bit in order to find something that's balanced right in terms of extraction. Because if somebody has been making a brew that is, that does have fines that are over-extracting, so, so the entire brew is not extracting um, evenly, but if you were to measure it, you would probably have a higher extraction than the brew that has the fines removed. So I feel like people are able to taste that, and they taste clarity but some people, I know when Brian and I first started sieving, and this was before the crew, that we would remove some fines and we were like, oh, yes, it's cleaner, but it also is lacking some flavor. So now I have to grind a little bit finer in order to get that balance of the um, consistent particles to be closer to the range that I'm looking for. And so, um, I don't know. I just It's something I wanted to mention, I guess, a little bit more than even, I mean, we can discuss it, but I wanted to, to at least put it out there for anyone listening because I, I could definitely see that be something that people encounter, that they, they run into this and then they start to notice that maybe, you know, they're keeping everything between 300 and 800 or something and everything that they're losing um, was what gave them a little bit more body and so they have to kind of maybe they have to add some of that back in or maybe they have to be heavier of the particle size on the the 300 to 500 than the 500 to 800 now that might have been a lot of rambling but does that make sense yeah it makes sense to me and i think yeah that's that's definitely a, a challenge that um, everybody has to uh, overcome or, or learn to and what as you mentioned that it is it open your it opens your eyes into uh, seeing how grind size affects the brew. So when you're talking about a refractometer, you're generally measuring the average of those particles that are from the smallest to the largest, and your that average is not like so. Let's say the particles uh, between uh, zero and four hundred microns extracted to uh, maybe 25%. The particles that are f uh, 400 to 800 extracted to 20% and the larger ones only 15. Now, so that's a combination of those flavors that now you're um, testing and the result is that it's an average of, let's say, 23% uh, extraction. Now, that's normally like something that's almost ideal, but when you replicate that with a consistent grind, you're actually, uh, to get that a more similar flavor, you're going to have to push that extraction beyond 25%. And we've had 28 that actually started to uh, taste the way that it, it, it did with the uh, smaller particles in there. Wow. Anyone who's been brewing coffee at home and, and kind of getting down this rabbit hole 
is familiar with all the variables that they're playing with and that, that they're keeping track of water temperature, the age of the bean, I mean, everything that you can think of. Um, so with, with obviously now this new, new ability to control and specify your, your grind size with the curve, um, obviously it adds a lot more variables or it adds a, at least a few more variables there to the mix. Um, can you kind of give us like, I just opened up the box for the first time, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here at home trying to figure out what to do. Um, what, what would you recommend people start off with, uh, before they really start tinkering with, with all the different, you know, ways of, of, of messing with these parameters? Yeah. So I, I think the first thing is, is to know that it's, um, what it is and what it's not. Uh, I think some people think that it's just a magic thing that they could, uh, use to, uh, follow the exact recipe that that's provided. And, and we're trying to say that those are guidelines, um, and, and get that cup that, uh, that's desired. It's not quite like that. Uh, you do have to, uh, understand some of those brewing principles. You have to understand, uh, extraction and, um, it's, it's not a, a lot of things. So all things being equal, I think the rule of thumb for if you're taking out some of the fines and, and larger particles, uh, you want to brew longer with less coffee to get similar results to what you're used to. And you got to adjust from there. And, and, um, it's going to take some time, but, uh, we want people to experiment or encourage that. So, uh, one of the things is calibrating your grinder, seeing where your where your baseline is. So test what you are actually brewing with, and then maybe you can compare it to other people. So if you're if you keep saying that it's a uh, sea salt size, but uh, somebody in Australia is using, uh, and we've actually had this problem with people kind of debating what sea salt size is um, from different countries, then you can't even get on the same page. So. Okay, and this this will give you a baseline. Now we have some um, videos on our site that uh, give you some recommendations um, how we're brewing, and um, and and you can get started from from there. But I think people are a little overwhelmed at first, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It uh, it's as simple as um, I mentioned this before, but. Do a side by side. See what that what that does. If you have more time, it's it's not like um, coffee is a, is a kind of labor of love. That you gotta kind of put in the time to get the uh, rewards. But you you can notice things. You can uh, like another good experiment is um, brew with just a smarter. Let's say you have uh, a size of five hundred and a thousand. Now uh, grind a larger amount of coffee. In those three sizes and brew a cup identical in all three using all three different grinds so do a, one that's very small that's medium and then that's large let's say in that example and and see what the flavor is and and I think people will be surprised and they'll, they'll kind of this will is a good approach to understand what's happening uh, grind size affects the flow rate it, it affects the uh, extraction and it's actually uh, really an overlooked um factor in in brewing yeah but adam like uh like brian mentioned uh, in general you will taste a difference if you put in you know 
our standard say 400 to 800 microns uh, you brew with that uh, we provide a, a manual a booklet uh, inside one of the last pages of the brewing guide uh, which gives you an idea uh, if you want to do uh, a cold brew a drip uh, aeropress etc you know follow those guides and you will taste a difference uh, I, I help out quite a bit with customer service and we're well over a thousand emails now and I've read just you know one-liners hey I just received your package after work I brewed my first coffee I didn't even calibrate my guy I just put it and I shook it and he goes it tastes amazing I can't wait to experiment further with it so I mean the, the gist is that the starting point is, is quite easy but obviously like everything you can dive pretty deep with this my experience with it that's kind of where I've gone I mean I I first got it and you know initially off the bat I I stuck on the the recommended uh, sieves for the top and bottom and and brewed with it and obviously I, I tasted a difference um, you know and, and, and as I started changing around the bottom size sieve versus the top size sieve uh, it was clear that, that it was impacting the cup in different ways um, but then you guys came out recently with uh, another pack of sieves, which is the extra large, uh, which is what the 1100 or no, the, yeah, the 1200, 1400 and 1600 micron sieves. Um, why, why the bigger ones? And I'll say, I'm happy to see them, uh, by the way, but, but why, why the decision to, to bring out some bigger, bigger sieves? So that, that was mainly because of customer such as yourself. It was overwhelming demand of people saying, oh, you definitely need to make a larger uh, screen sizes because, you know, I want to try a different uh, cold brew. I want to try this technique. And so having uh, a larger size now and uh, a spectrum, right now we range from 2,000 microns up to 1,600, uh, 15 uh, interchangeable sieves, uh, that gives you quite the spectrum of uh, brewing capability and so you know uh, and like going back to the whole uh, sea salt size you know different uh, emails from uh, uh, out in Asia or North America they're saying oh you know my sea salt's larger so when I do cold brew it's definitely this size so it was definitely popular demand and uh, you know we we got them released just a few weeks ago and um the response has been really well. Yeah, I've I've actually really enjoyed it. I, I found um, for the majority of the brewing that I was doing with the thousand micron, I think that's the biggest one I had. You have an eleven hundred one though, right? That came with one of the packs. Correct. Um, yeah, I had the th the one thousand micron, and I felt like even still, you know, unless I really really notched my grinder down pretty fine like i felt like there was a, still quite a lot of coarse particles up in the top and uh it seemed a little bit wasteful as i was as i was uh using it because i maybe it, upwards of like 40 35 to 40 percent of my particles like still sat up in the top unless i ground yep. super fine um so as soon as i saw the extra large pack i got really excited um so yeah even even for me i've i'm using uh, 1400 for the top and I think I'm using the smallest one for the bottom and uh, I'm getting some really nice just regular Kalita wave 
you know, morning pour overs with it, um, pulling out it's just a small percentage of both the coarse and fine particles. And yeah, it's, it's great. I've, I've really enjoyed the larger size. Um, and I'm probably using it more now than I ever did before, before those larger ones came out. So oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, so if everybody, anybody that's listening that wants other sizes, that we're definitely open. And uh, the idea is to have a, a tool that you can use for any type of brewing that you're using. So we don't want to limit it to, um, like, if you compare it to a, a scale that only goes down to, I don't know, uh, two grams or something. Yeah, and that's the nice part about it is that, um, you know, the the a pack of new sieves was really not that, costly you know obviously i think when you guys announced them there was a a little bit of a deal too going on but uh yeah just just being able to to sw- swap them out like that seems easy enough to do and and obviously is expandable into the future i can't imagine needing anything bigger than 1600 but uh maybe maybe somebody would find out oh, we, we've had some uh, odd requests from you know can we make an exact uh, uh, you know 1800 to 1855 <laughs> for my birthday or this that and so we joke around the office that one day we're gonna sell a sieve 1 million which is basically just the gasket <laughs> and it's a hole <laughs> I mean I guess at some point you could start like you know making screens for actual whole beans themselves to you know, sort sort out your uh, your double A's versus your pea berries or whatever. But yeah, we've had the request for that as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's floating around as a future product idea for sure. Mm. Yeah, there just better be some magnets on that. Is all I can say. <laughs> oh, magnets and lasers. <laughs> lasers. <laughs> Love it. What's coming down the line? What's what's next? What's on your all's radar for Crew? We're still a young company, so we're still focusing on the sifter and, and sifter expansions um, as our, our primary focus, making sure that production is running smooth. But yeah, we are uh, kind of uh, being new to the industry, uh, looking maybe a little bit from a different perspective. So we have uh, a couple ideas of, of, of products that maybe improve uh, the ability to control your brewing experience, to elevate that uh, um, refinement of um brewing and being able to kind of use a more uh, scientific measurable approach to other aspects of, of uh, brewing uh, but we can't really give you an idea what that is because we're still not sure <laughs> ourselves yeah we we have like a 10 foot by i don't know eight foot chalkboard in our office and it's just filled everybody just walks by and they put something in the idea box and but uh, but it's good. From that, uh, you know, only the best to make to the top, and uh, we'll make sure that once once it's out there, you know, our, our fans we have a, a big following not only on social media, or, our email, etc. But uh, we'll get it out there, and uh, hopefully, we get just as good a support uh, for the new projects as we did with the, the sifter. Speaking of the future, you guys have a little bit of a of a uh, a deal going on for our listeners. You wanna. You want to let everybody know about what what that is? Yeah, of course. Um, so you know, we love your show and uh, we love your audience. So uh, we've put together a promo code. It's for ten percent off uh, our whole store for the month of August, and the promo code is IBREW10. That's I B R E W one zero, 
And so just put that in when you're doing your checkout and it'll give you 10% off. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to spread the love and uh, thank you, the, the community. So it's, it's been doing really well for us. Well, thank you. That certainly is generous. And I, uh, I have a feeling if people out there have not picked up the extra large pack, at least, that they'll at least go out and uh, grab a couple of those. They, they really have been super impressive. And I've, I've enjoyed that larger size a lot. So, Yeah, f- for you. our existing customers, uh, you know, our XL pack uh, we have uh, on, a, on a promo price. And then, again, because pop of demand, everybody, uh, when they purchase it, they want everything. I guess yeah. it's it's just that that mentality. So uh, we also have um, a good price on uh, our Sifta 12 with the XL pack. It comes together with uh, free shipping. Well, Carol, Adam, we appreciate again you all taking the time to jump on the show with us a little bit and get a little inside peek and kind of just just talk, you know, really all things about kind of sifting. I think it, it's going to be really helpful for some folks who who haven't necessarily. Uh, gotten into this or digested this or just gives them a little bit more to think about uh, in terms of it or people who do have it maybe different ways to to look at using it so again appreciate you being on and for those listeners who are interested in finding you all online where can we find you so our website is crewvinc.com that's k-r-u-v-e-i-n-c dot com and and thank you very much for having us that's uh, been really fun awesome all right everybody uh thank you for listening to the episode uh you can find us on instagram at i brew my own coffee you can find us on twitter at brew my own coffee uh, you can check us out on our website at ibrewmyowncoffee.com go to slash 57 for this episode and that's where you'll find the link to all the show notes the promo code that we talked about and anything else that you're looking for if you want to send us a message click the contact us link at the top of the page and oh yeah by the way we do have a slack if you want to sign up go to ibrewmyowncoffee.com slash slack and uh, sign up and get on in and start the conversation all right everybody thanks so much again for tuning in uh, until next episode happy sifting everybody take care everyone thanks. cheers guys